It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Welcome inside from the Braves booth. This is our weekly podcast, or we try to do it weekly, at least anytime Joe's in, to bring you the latest from inside of our booth. And today we're coming to you from our home booth here in Atlanta for episode number 41 of our podcast from the Braves booth. Alongside Joe Simpson and our producer engineer, Jonathan Chaddock, who will be joining us momentarily. Did I say Chaddock? Chadwick? Drop the W. Kind of like the team did last night. Kind of like Chatty. Chaddock, you know? Uh Uh-huh. Jonathan Chaddick. Chadwick. Okay. I hate when he gets chatty. Jonathan Chadwick, I'm Ben Ingram, and it's great to have you all with us. Our email address, Ben, I'm about to give out my own email address. I'm all <laughs> over the place today. All over the place. Who knows what's going to happen at 720 tonight. Yeah. Bravesbooth at gmail.com. Bravesbooth at gmail.com. Fire away. And, uh, well, we're, I don't know, about halfway into this homestand. Got another two games left with the Dodgers, then the uh, uh, Phillies come in for four, and uh, so far so good on the homestand outside of last night. Last night was a tough loss, having a 4 nothing lead, but always a big series when the Dodgers are in town, and hopefully they can find a way to even this thing up tonight. Well, we talked about this a little bit at the end of last night's game. Uh, I think I brought up the fact that that was a very typical Dodger game in that they don't hit for a high average. They, they don't usually collect a ton of hits, but the hits they collect are damaging, and that's what happened last night. you got to three-run homer from Freddie. You got two homers from Martinez. You got the triple from Peralta. Uh, All those added up to enough runs for them to win. Now then, the Braves had four in the first. Should that have kind of locked it in right there? For most teams, yes, but not L.A. Yeah, it's a different bunch over there. You get a 4 nothing lead against the Marlins or the Nationals, you feel pretty good about that night. You're going to cruise. But you don't really cruise against the Dodgers, do you? No, you don't. And and I think we talked about that a little bit yesterday, too, uh, before the series started, about how uh, with the kid who started yesterday, uh, what was his name? Uh, no, that was Stone, Stone Gavin, Gavin Stone. Gavin Stone, that there's an expectation – uh, when you get called up to win, whether you're a pitcher or a position player, you're supposed to put yourself in a position to win. And that's the way you're groomed. That's the way you're taught. And last night was a great example. You can get four runs in the first inning, but there's a lot of baseball left, and they're not going to lay down. Reminded me of a postseason game. I mean, you, you, get, yeah. you get off to that kind of start, you know you still got to add on. I mean, it made me think about that. Um, I mean, this might be apples to oranges, but I think about that. Uh, World Series game where Adam Duvall hit the grand slam in the first inning. Mm-hmm. And against most teams, you, you're going to run to a, a win no problem that night. But that was game five of the World Series, and you lost that game. And there are just some teams that even though you get out to a great start like that, and logic would tell you it's your night, you're going to win that night, not always the case. And this Dodgers team is every bit of that. I, I think when it comes to the Braves and the Dodgers, I, I still think they look at each other, usually from afar, and say at the end of the day, that's still the team that I might have to go through. Yeah. Now, the Phillies won the thing last year and got to the World Series. But the the two years prior, it's been the Braves and the Dodgers, and I still feel like these are the two best teams in the National League. I think everybody else feels that way, too. If you ask, uh, I did a poll of all the various managers around baseball, they would tell you, well, if you want to get to the World Series, you're either going to have to go through L.A. or or Atlanta. I think you would have a huge number of people respond that way. Uh, Anytime, 99% of the time you give Charlie – Morton, a four-run lead early, and the way he pitched in Texas, it is a lock. It's a done deal. And another kid, and a kid was pitching on the mound for the Dodgers. Charlie, last night, I thought threw too many curveballs. You know, I I don't get asked, mm-hmm. you know, the opinion, my opinion on stuff like that, so I'm just versing it. Uh, Charlie had a good fastball last night. He was throwing 96, 97, and I think he got away from it and started throwing a few too many curveballs and they started looking for it that second time through the order. They were just kind of sitting on his hook, and they were getting it and, yeah. and making the most of it. I like what he said after the ball game, and, and this goes for any start for Charlie Morton. I love hearing him evaluate what he did on the mound that night, whether it was really good or whether things weren't so good. He, he's going to give you a, a very in-depth view of what he saw in his mind and how it 
uh, developed for, on, on his end. And he said after the ball game, he was talking about really getting out of his routine, really getting out of his form and his motion and things like that. And he said, with a four-run lead, he said, is it automatic we're going to win the game with me on the mound? No. But he said, I, I feel like there are a couple of things that, that I wish I could have done better with. He said uh, early in his career, he felt like there were times where he struggled with, with aggressiveness, felt like maybe he should have been more aggressive in, in, in moments where maybe he wasn't as aggressive, as aggressive enough. He didn't feel like that was the case last night, felt like he maintained his his aggressiveness, but he, he felt like things mechanically were just slightly off and slightly missing. And um, I, I would love to see him have that back if he had the opportunity to see how things would be different. I'm sure every pitcher who loses feels that same way sure. every single night. Sure. But but it, it's a very honest evaluation that you get from a player that I don't know that you get from most every single player about their performances, especially after a loss like last night. Yeah, and I think from a mechanic standpoint, looking back at his start, uh, he was missing with his curveball to his glove side yeah. predominantly, down and into to left-handed hitters and missing, uh, I'll say badly, or making mistakes down and in, whether it was to Peralta or to Freddie Freeman on the home run that he hit out. Uh, he got into some deep counts. He was going three and two on a lot of guys. To me, that was kind of the lack of aggressiveness, perhaps, that he was referring to because um, he, he was ahead in counts where he could have finished off some guys and wound up having to make a better pitch than he wanted to. That's what we saw from the starter last night, and then the bullpen gate opened. And here we are almost a third of the way through the season, and if you were to give a grade to the bullpen, I don't think you could find – I know that if you can line it up with Anderson in the eighth and Iglesias in the ninth, it's really good stuff. But outside of that, we've seen a lot of inconsistency. I don't know how good of a grade that would be. And to be quite honest, I think the Braves feel like a way where they can get better is in relief, in their bullpen, especially six, seven, maybe the eighth innings, depending on if it's a tie ball game or if they're down by one. We've seen some ups and downs a lot from that bullpen, haven't we? Yeah, we have. And, and it was supposed to be one of the strengths of the team at the start of the season. We talked about that in spring training, that uh, we'd put our bullpen against just about anybody in terms of experience uh how how they matched up with various teams how brian snitker's able to match those guys up and help them be successful but uh yeah right now he's i'm putting words in his mouth he can't be sure of who to bring in yeah in a certain situation because they are not consistent and he's got to hope that they are the guy that you expected them to be at the beginning of the season and some of them aren't I think you take a lead late in the ball game, you feel good about what you have at the final six outs. But between there and then, we got to see some pretty good stuff out of Joe Jimenez here recently, but he's had his ups and downs. A.J. had had a couple of good outings, but he goes out there and they, they bring him along for Mookie Betts, whom he had had success against in the past. Didn't work out well last night, and A.J. gave up a run on three hits. Uh, Kirby Yates has had some innings where he looks fantastic, others where he's had a difficult time with control. Um, Lucas Litke looked pretty good last night. But what I'm getting at is, is I don't know that you've seen enough from one guy where you could say, maybe outside of the back end, I feel good about this guy in the sixth or that guy in the seventh. It's kind of been a mixed bag. Yeah, I agree with you. I think the eighth and ninth are uh, pretty strong right now with Anderson and Iglesias, as you pointed out. Uh, it's getting there from the sixth and seventh to get to those guys. That seems to be the issue. And, and who do you go to tonight? Who is the guy you hope – is the guy who can come in and and uh, pick up for Strider if he has to leave with some guys on base and get you out of this. Uh, it, it, it is a little bit of a mixed bag right now. It'll get better. I know it will because I know how good those guys are, but they are all struggling some right now outside of the last two. Mm-hmm. And, and to those guys' credit, and I don't want to come down on them. They've also been been having to carry the team through innings that normally they wouldn't with these bullpen games. True. And I know that's something that you and I would love to see the team get away from. We, we, we've, we've seen Dodd. We've seen Schuster. You've got uh, Mike Soroka there. There are some options there, and maybe the team starts to lean more into those guys rather than these bullpen games once or twice every week because that'll run those guys down. When you need A.J. for a sharp sixth inning or Kyla McHugh for a sharp seventh or a, uh, Jesse Chavez in the same situation, maybe you get that if you didn't have to rely on them for you know 10 outs to begin a game or something like that um I don't know I, I, I don't want to take too much away from those guys because I know they've had to cover a lot more than they're used to help me out here uh last year uh the bullpen was very good and I'll use AJ as an example AJ had a phenomenal year he had a very low ERA 
uh, really did a good job with inherited runners. It was like a career year. Yeah. But uh, help me out here. We didn't have that many injuries to our rotation where guys had to uh, sit out for 10 days, did we? Not like this. I mean, you did lose – Ian Anderson obviously had to be taken out of the rotation. Uh Um, I want to say – Maybe did, did Charlie have something going on early in the season? I'm having a hard time. Well, they they were protecting but, him because of his leg, his yeah, broken yeah. leg. But nothing like this. Nothing like this, and it's really put a lot of innings, as you as you pointed out, on some of these guys that I think has taken away some of their effectiveness because they've been used so much, but because they've had to be used so much. It's yeah. not it's not that uh, Brian is uh, abusing some of these guys and using them too much. How, what else do you do? Right. This is your bullpen. You, you're going to have to go to somebody and use them the way that you best feel uh, will help you win. But uh, these injuries have really put a crimp in. A, it's a ripple effect through the whole staff. That's why every prediction at the beginning of the season kind of comes with a caveat of you know or a disclaimer, I should say, of well, what I, you got to stay healthy. You know, yeah. you lose a, you lose one guy, and all of a sudden that kind of um, that can derail lots of things, especially in your rotation. And getting through 162, there's a reason getting to the playoffs is such a rewarding uh, accomplishment because you overcame all that. You probably went through injuries yourself. Every team does. And you can't control who those injuries are to and when they come. And when you're losing starters like this, it uh, puts a lot of pressure on the rest of your bunch and you're trying to figure out a way to get through. It is. And, and that's why you have the minor leagues and why you have guys that you hope will uh, be able to step up and do what they're supposed to do. Well, we got a fire alarm. Fire alarm's going off. Attention, attention. We're not leaving. No. We're going to keep the episode rolling yeah. right along. Yeah. Well, it's funny that the fire alarm went off when we started talking about the bullpen. <laughs> Get somebody up. <laughs> Put out this fire. Oh, man. Um, outside of that, uh, some good things that we've seen here recently. Number one, let me ask you about this. This is something that we saw over the course of the last few days. Charlie Culberson getting a chance to come back up. We've not seen him yet, but I know that you got to visit with Charlie, and good to see him back up in the big leagues. Yeah, it, it just puts a smile on everybody's face. I've used that term before. Uh, Charlie's speci- such a special guy, uh, beloved teammate. Uh, fans are crazy about him here. Uh, Georgia guy from up the road, lives in Rome now um he's um he's a valuable he can be a very valuable part of this team because he's very versatile he can play anywhere on the field and in his first tour of duty when he was here for two or three years he played every position i think except catcher and center field you know Mm -hmm. he pitched in a couple of games and he's been uh on a throwing program down at Gwinnett you know teaching him how to do some things on the mound he's even had a side session here already where they've worked with him some so he could be a very valuable piece that not only helps out uh, as a utility infielder, but could help out in the bullpen uh, if you needed to save some guys. So I'm happy to have him here, but more importantly, I think he can really help the team. Yeah, it's great to have him here, and I think he can help as well. Uh, let me throw a, another guy out there that we've seen some good things from this month, and that's Marcelo Zuna. Had a really rugged month of April, really bad, to the point where you're wondering, how much longer is he going to be here? I mean, let's mm-hmm. just be honest. Uh, the way that things go in baseball – you have that kind of a stretch. You're not with a big league club all that long. Well, he's turned it around here in the month of May. He's got a good hitting streak going now, and he's become a source of productivity in the lineup. That's been great to see. You know, I I don't know if there's one thing anybody can put their finger on in terms of uh, how his success has uh, come around here during this hitting streak and having a really good month of May. But I will say this, more, he's getting more at-bats. You have success, you're going to get more at-bats. You produce more, you're going to get more at-bats. You get more confidence. You get back to, as a veteran, back to what you know is best for you and how to handle pitchers and in counts and in uh, situations. And Marcel looks like that guy. Uh, For him to hit two balls to right field the way he did yesterday, that tells you maybe he was a little late on the swing, but they were on the barrel. Right. You know, they, they weren't flares. He's had a couple of flares during this streak. Good for him. But uh, it's not for lack of work, as Brian Snitker says all the time. He, he puts in the work trying to get better, and right now he is better. A guy that would love to see follow suit and do the same, Michael Harris. And, and in your mind with what you've seen, what, what have you noticed, and how do you get Michael Harris going again? He's lost right now. Uh, that's what I see. He is, uh, he's taking some good cuts at times. He's fouling them off. He's not squaring them up. And he also is putting in the time and effort maybe too much in some cases 
uh, as somebody might say, uh, paralysis by analysis. Yes. Uh, the old adage of trying to think too much to try to fix too many things instead of instead of letting it come naturally. I think we're all willing to cut Michael a break because of the two injuries, his back and then his knee, that uh, it was hard to get in any kind of groove when you, you're playing, not playing, playing, not playing. Uh, that that kind of goes to Marcel, too, sure. you know, when you're not producing. But right now he's 0 for, what, 21? Uh, he's not in the lineup tonight, Tuesday night. Sam Hilliard's going to get a start, and I think that will probably also be beneficial to Michael. I hope it is. Also think about the expectations and such. And let's just go back to this time last year. Michael comes up the end of May, and there's no doubt about it in my mind that his promotion to the big leagues and Spencer Strider going from the bullpen into the rotation put this team on a different track. Yeah, And, and I remember what we were saying when Michael came up, and that was if he can just go get it in center field, whatever he does offensively is icing on the cake because you needed a significant lift defensively, yeah. and he provided that. Well, he gave you a lot more icing than you thought you'd get offensively. That's true. He goes out and he wins the rookie of the year. So in my mind, I'm thinking, well, his glove is still good, and, he, and he's still providing elite defense in center field and I would I would hope that that would take some pressure off of him but at the same time when you go out there and you win rookie of the year the expectations completely change fair or unfair and and the good news for me is you still have good defense but the expectations like I said fair and fair they have changed and going through it 0 for 22 it doesn't cut it that where maybe it would have a year ago Ben it's very hard at his age to not want to uh, uh, fight back you know I'm better than this, and I'm behind. My numbers are behind where they, they should be. I'm the rookie of the year. I, I need to get back on track and help the team. And all those things weigh on a young player uh, more, more, more so than a veteran, and I think he's feeling some of that too. His numbers are, you know, like the first week of the season. Right. You know, a homer, five RBIs. Uh, he's got four stolen bases. That's that's the type of stuff you might have in the first week or ten days of the season. We're already in late May, and he's trying to catch up. And I think he's trying too hard to do too much uh, with each and every at bat. And again, analysis or paralysis by analysis, thinking too much that I've got to get a hit this time. And talking to Chipper about him uh, a couple of days ago during the Seattle series, he was saying, and, and I'm probably repeating myself a little bit, but he asked Michael, he said, have you ever watched Freddie Freeman take batting practice? He said, it's not pretty. It's kind of ugly because all he does is sit there and try to hit the ball over shortstop and hit the ball to left center field, drive it that way. He's a little inside out with his swing, lets the hands lead the barrel. And he said that he had told Michael that's what you need to do. That's what you need to start thinking about is that type of swing until things start coming around for you. And it's a very good point uh, for Michael because if you watch the defenses now, they're playing him as a dead pull hitter. Well, the reason they're doing that is because Michael's rolling over the top of a lot of balls. It looks like when the game starts, he's trying to throw that top hand and get the barrel around there and trying to pull the ball instead of serving it into left center. Yeah. And right now, there's some huge holes on the left side of the diamond when he's up there. If he really is concentrating on trying to maybe go the other way a little bit, he's going to find some hits over there. Yeah, he is. And he's such a talented player, and I have no doubt he's going to pull out of this and be fine. But it's a constant reminder, a couple of things. Number one, how challenging this game is. Because the second you think you got it, all of a sudden you're lost. You don't. And, and, and for Michael, we talk all the time about young players. We talk all the time, Joe, about veterans having to make adjustments. This is a game of adjustments. And typically when we say that, it's about what you're seeing on the field. But there's also the element, maybe we don't talk about this enough, of how you're handling this game, successes and, and failures off the field. That's not easy to just do. That's something that has to be learned. And when you're talking about a guy as young as Michael Harris, you just think that, okay, you come up, you get it done between the lines, you're good to go. There's a side of this off the field, outside the lines, handling all this for the first time that isn't natural. It's hard. Uh, this game is a grind on and off the field. And, and to me, this is a reminder of that and how absolutely incredibly talented these players are who can compete and can succeed at this level because, to me, it's one of the hardest things to do in all of professional sports. Well, it is. And 
Michael was so good last year in all aspects. And it's easy, again, as a young player to think, well, I'm going to be able to do this, just throw my glove out there. Yeah. I'm not saying that's what Michael does. He works hard at his game. But you do have to really concentrate when you when things are going at their, at their worst. Right. To not bog yourself down with too much thought. Don't do it naturally. See the ball, hit the ball. Uh, there have been a couple of at-bats, uh, I think a strikeout last night. Uh, not sure if he struck out to end the game, uh, but I remember a strikeout he had where he had a 3-1 and one count, then it went 3-2, and then you can yeah. just kind of see his shoulders slump a little bit like, here I go again, and he chased a bad ball that was probably ball four up and away, and his head slumped like, you know, man, I did it again. So there's a lot that goes into a slump that uh, are hard to get out of your head. Yeah. But that's where it all resides. Yeah, it does. Uh, one other guy I want to throw out there, and um, and we can jump into some of the questions after this. Again, our email address, bravesbooth at gmail.com. Fire away any questions or comments you have anytime you want. As you uh, make sure you go ahead and like and subscribe our podcast, wherever you tune in to get our podcast. But uh, Ronald Acuna is doing amazing things. And um, it's such a pleasure to watch that kind of talent night in, night out. You think of that kind of talent maybe for another team, and you can't wait to see that player for that team. We're blessed we get to see him every single night. And I think about him stealing third base last night. He has a way of doing what he wants and enforcing his will on this game at times. Uh, And seeing him healthy, uh, we got to see him make that catch last night. I don't know that he even attempts to make that catch last year. So it's just another reminder of he's completely healthy. He's getting to play the game the way that he wants to. And, man, it's a, it's a lot of fun to watch. I think you hit that right on the head there, Ben. And that is there were times last year where it was obvious he was still protecting himself. He didn't want to re-injure his knee, uh, whether it was the wall and just being willing to play everything off the wall and not chase balls into the wall. Uh, we're seeing a different guy this year, and I think it is because uh, he trusts his leg and he knows he's healthy and okay and good to go. Uh, what he did last night, uh, again, I said it last night, I just love stuff like that because he his head was in the game and no one on the Dodger infield's head was in the game. That's right. He knew He recognized something that none of them noticed, and they took it for granted that he was just going to be happy to walk to second base. I hated it as a player to be taken for granted, to assume that I wasn't going to take an extra base or to assume that I wasn't going to try to score on a certain play, things like that. Or uh, I used to hate it from the outfield. You're at second base, guy gets a base hit to me in center field, and, and I know I don't have a play, so I'm hitting the cutoff man prevent another runner from advancing but for that runner that's running home to pull up and just jog home from right from third base i used to irritate the hell out of me because you're taking for granted that i'm not going to make a throw right well i might make a throw next time and you better be ready for it yeah um so ronald last night what he did seeing what was happening to the dodger infield and basically embarrassing them by running over to third without a throw I didn't even. Hear, did you hear anybody yell? Uh-uh. I heard the crowd. Yeah, I didn't hear anybody on the on, not the, on the field. Not on the field. So I love that. Another sign that Ronald is maturing, growing up, and um, into this game, and showing you that he is a whole lot more than the guy that uh, broke in as such a young kid. He's learning the game. Yeah, and and what's cool about that is talent's always been there, but you can't just show up and operate on talent. You'll have a good career, but you're going to miss out. You're going to sell yourself short. When you get the combination of talent and baseball IQ, because your head's in the game, when those two things come together, man, what a special season and special player you got. And I think that's what we're seeing this year. Yeah, he's he's maturing, and he's learned, he's learned a lot of stuff, and he's paying attention to things. And um, whatever the source was for him to notice those infielders, the way they were set up, Maybe somebody an inning before had said something about yeah. it. Uh, who knows? But he took advantage of it at, at the perfect time, and Braves got an extra run out of it as a result. Yeah, it was awesome. Really awesome. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? 
Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, we can dive into uh, our questions and our comments. We have about four or five pages worth. Uh, Again, you guys are so great, and thanks so much for tuning in as often as you do and taking the time to send us emails and questions and comments. That's awesome, and uh, it is fun to read your questions. So Jay Chad's going to jump in with us. And I'll go ahead and fire it off. Um, This is perfect for last night. This is from Rob and Marietta. And Rob says, what did you guys make of yet another standing ovation for Freddie Freeman at the top of the first inning last night? Uh, I wasn't surprised by it. I was just kind of taken aback by how long it went on. Right. You know, um, he acknowledged it, taking his helmet off. It just kind of – the fans love him, you know. Yeah. And and that's great. I'm not going to begrudge him – that ovation when he comes back uh, i just didn't expect it to be quite the ceremony it was probably won't see that you hit the home run it's like okay yeah right <laughs> enough now you're a dodger i don't think i expected to see freddie step out a couple times and like joe said tip his hat to pretty much every section in the ballpark but you know what when he comes back he's earned certain things and um i don't know that we'll continue to see what we saw last night but i'm sure these fans will probably pay their respects to him as long as he's in a different uniform. Yeah. Braves fans are great. They're, uh-huh. they're loyal. They love their guys. And uh, Freddie didn't do anything but endear himself to all of these fans for, for 10 years. So, uh, he, like Jonathan said, he's earned it. Um, I just I was a little surprised at how, how big a deal it was. Right. Because it's year two. Yeah, and we right. saw that last year. Yeah, yeah. But but at the same time, and, and I'll say this about guys that I've covered, and Joe, you've covered way more guys than I have. But for for the guys that I've covered here, he's, he's the most talented player I've seen in a Braves uniform. Um, Ronald Acuna is obviously extremely talented too. But as far as the best player, the best career that we've seen to this point, he's the best that I've seen. And he won an MVP, and he won a World Series, and he won all sorts of other things along the way. And at the end of the day, that that counts for a lot. And he, no matter what he does in LA or how long he's over there. He, he still was that for us for a long time. I think you could make some comparisons to Dale Murphy in that era and how special Dale was to all of the Braves fans when he was winning back-to-back MVPs. Uh, the team was not as near as good as what Freddie played on here lately. Uh, but I think uh, for the modern fan, he's kind of the Dale Murphy of this era. Yeah, good point. Good po- and, and so many kids – grew up with that being their guy uh, you think about a guy who might a kid who might have been seven or eight when freddie broke in mm-hmm. and after he left he's going to college yeah <laughs> right that's right so uh, that that's who he was now let me give you a, a two-parter on this this is from shannon dansby swanson doesn't come back to atlanta until the end of september do you receive do you think he'll receive an ovation like freddie did that's a good question maybe not quite like that and certainly in year two uh yeah i I think he'll be warmly received. I, I think uh, the fans will acknowledge him. Uh, remains to be seen to what extent, but I think they will again. Braves fans know that Dansby was a Marietta guy. Uh, he wasn't homegrown. We didn't draft him, right? But he grew up in the Braves system more or less. So he's one of them, and I think they'll treat him kindly. And both of these guys we're talking about were big parts of the World Series championship team. Uh-huh. And I don't think anyone will ever forget that. I know I won't. Yeah. Winners. Yeah. And good people. Yeah. Uh, On that same note from Jamie, if you had to put your house on it, do you think Freddie Freeman will retire as a Brave? Wouldn't put my house on it. Nor would I. Because a couple of years ago, I'd have put my house on him being a Brave for his entire career. (laughs) You'd be living in your truck. Yeah, I'd be living Uh under an overpass. Uh Uh-huh. I would not put my house on it either. Is there a chance? Absolutely. Sure there is, but um, I'm not willing to go to that length. Big time hypothetical here. It's from Alex. If Brian Snitker and Walt Weiss were to both be ejected in the same game, who would manage the ball club for the rest of the game? That's a great question. Sure is. What's your line of command, JC? I would have to assume you go straight to Ron Washington. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I... 
I'd say Sal Fasano is in the dugout already. Rick yeah. Granitz is down there. Um, Eddie Perez. Yeah. Those guys are all very good candidates. But it's a good question. Sure, one, it's happened. I can't remember one, that happening. One I hadn't thought of, yeah. I mean, not just for the Bray, but for any team. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe, Joe, when you're doing the Brian Snicker report this afternoon, you could you – could, That's a good that's question. That's a great question. Yeah, I will. And, I'll ask and him. And you can ask him maybe even like – could you and Walt do something tonight to both get ejected so we can see how this plays yeah. out? I mean, I'm going to ask him if we need, we'll need to send you down there. Well, you know, sometimes doing what I do up here and managing the ball club gets exhausting. Well, it's kind of the same thing, too, isn't it? Yeah. Got <laughs> you walked into the dugout in uni. Yeah. Oh, boy. Put your spikes on. Put your nails on down there. Yeah. yeah. That'd be awesome. That would be great. Uh, let's see. I just had one that I want to throw at you. Okay, outside of the NL East, would you guys say that the Dodgers are the Braves' biggest rival? That's from Jeff. For me, that's the case. Honestly, for me, I'd say the Dodgers are a bigger rival right now than some of the teams in your division. We've seen them so much in the postseason uh, the last five years. You know, going back to 2018, then in 2020, three-game one in the NLCS – uh, 3-1 lead in the NLCS, you don't get past them. You have to win one of the final three games, and you don't do it. Then we see them again in 21. We're finally able to get past them. So, for me, yes, just because of all the postseason matchups we've seen with these guys. Yeah, even if you don't see them in the postseason, your expectation is that you will. Yeah. Oh, I, I think so. Yeah. You know, I, I think when I was talking about that poll earlier, if you asked Brian Snitker, he'd probably say, well, yeah, you're going to have to deal with L.A. at some point. Yeah. He would say the same thing. So maybe you don't see them 14 times in the regular season like teams in your division, but when you expect to see them, they're the biggest games of the year. Sure. So I'm right there with you guys. This is from Dave, who said, just a comment, and it's very kind of you to say this, Dave. If I can't have Joe, I've really enjoyed hearing former players with Ben this season. Well, I'm curious to know what the fans think of the guys that have been filling in on mm-hmm. the road. Um, Peter, Nick, Kelly, uh, Darren. Uh, I think all those guys, I think you would agree, they've all done a good job. Kelly, with most recent, went on the road trip to Toronto and Texas. But uh, it's nice to hear that you fans talk about that and respond to them. They're all great guys. They're all great baseball men, and they're Braves. Uh, I think it, you know, some of those guys have played for other teams. In fact, all those guys played for other teams. But where are they right now? They're here. Um, and, and I think that's great, and I love the insights that they all bring. They all have their different strengths. Looking forward to the next uh, trip. Darren will be back with us. But anytime we get to rot- the, rotate these guys through, it's fun to have them on and, and hear what they have to say about this team. And if we can't have Joe, the best part for me has been, you know, we've known Nick for a long time. We've known Peter for a long time. But when it comes to Darren and Kelly, getting to know those guys on a more personal level, getting to know them – um, how we didn't know them when they were players and when they were in uniform has yeah. been a lot of fun. And it takes a lot of talent. For some of these guys, for Kelly's never done this before. Right. So to come in here and, and be able to do this to any degree. It's a lot harder than most people think. It is. And, and I, I applaud them for coming in. He and Darren both have never done this. Well, And they've admitted oh, this is not as easy as it's it seems. Yeah. So for them to come in and have any success, and in my opinion, they've been very successful doing this, that's really impressive. And I applaud them for coming in and giving it a shot and and working as hard at it as they have and uh, looking forward to seeing more of them as we continue. Um, Hey, guys, how close do you follow other teams during the season? Obviously, we follow our division rivals pretty closely, but the Braves just got through playing some really good AL teams like Baltimore and Seattle that most casual fans don't follow all that closely. I know from hearing Snit's pre- and post-game comments – that he really liked the Mariners. That's from Brad and Ashburn. And, and I think, Brad, it's a good question. It's easy just to follow the Braves because we see them every single day. But on top of that, we're huge baseball fans, and we talk about it all the time. So whether it's a highlight that we saw or something we saw on social media uh, or a team that's getting hot or whatever it may be, uh, looking into the horizon of the forecast and seeing who we might see down the road, that's fun for us. We talk a lot about other teams, even teams from other leagues, and, and how much they impress us. Yeah, I um... – uh, we we have favorite players too, you know, just like the fans do. We I I want to know how uh, certain guys did, how certain guys pitched, you know, right. the night before. I'll check the box score. So and so is on a good hitting streak. Did he keep his streak going? Uh, I like I like following the guys that I like. 
even as a player, I had guys I loved to watch play. You know, look up Carney Lansford. Yeah. Carney Lansford won a batting title uh, one year, and he, he's not a household name by any means in Major League Baseball. He's never going to be in the Hall of Fame. But he was a terrific third baseman and a good player, and I love watching him play and how he went about his business. And uh, there are other guys like that modern day that I feel the same way about. Yeah, that's a really good point. And at the end of the day, we're baseball fans, yeah. just like everybody yeah. else out there, and it's fun to follow. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Here's one from Ann. Before games or during a rain delay, do you guys ever hang out with Tom Glavin? Well, he owes us money. Well, (laughs) he hangs out with us, Ann. Uh, I, I just say that he has to get out of the TV booth and escape over there and find a place to, you know, kind of relax. It's like a it's like a comfortable den. Yeah, to come over here to the radio booth. So he hangs out with us. This is the reprieve for all those guys. Yeah, because sometimes they'll come in all together. Sometimes they'll come in one by one. Yesterday we're in here during the rain delay, and here comes Brandon, and you can just tell he needed a break. Yep. So he just came on into the radio booth. I was like, brother, you're in the right place. It's been this way for years. The radio booth is the where everybody congregates. The social mm-hmm. hub of this media outlet. We don't yeah. ever go over to the TV it's, booth. It's the retreat. Oh, why would we? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Maybe to go get a cookie, but no. Otherwise, no. Uh, from Matthew, uh, from Chambly. Do you say Chambly or Chambly? Chambly. Yeah. Chambly. Kind of like Shadwick. <laughs> Hey, guys, I have a two-part question about the minor leagues for you. One, what was your favorite or most unique minor league park to play or broadcast in? Two, what has been the best or most unique ballpark promotion you've seen in the minors or majors? Thanks. Keep up the great work. Let's go with most unique minor league park. Most unique minor league park. Um, The one that pops to my head first is um, maybe Montgomery. Home of the Biscuits. Mm-hmm. Uh, really nice yard, really nice press box. But one of the cool things that they had on the other side, I'm talking right on the other side of the left field wall, parallel to the left field wall, train tracks. Trains would come through. So if you hit a ball into the train, it'd just keep on going. <laughs> and that thing would come in, and it would lay on the horn every time. So anytime it did, train came in, I just quit talking because yeah. you couldn't hear me over that train. But all that was really unique. Uh, broadcasted, and I'm pretty sure you played in this ballpark, uh, the, the ballpark in Vancouver. Uh-huh. The press box there for the visiting radio booth was like an airplane cockpit. You you, you <laughs> dropped into the thing. You didn't walk in. You dropped into this little seat, and then you'd climb your way out of there when you were finished. But those are pretty unique. Uh, I, I've got a couple. New Haven, Connecticut was uh, – no, it was West Haven, Connecticut was – a double-A team for the Yankees when I played in the Eastern League. And it was not unusual, but it just comes to mind so quickly. The light towers were in the field of play, and they weren't just a pole. They were like a tripod tower, metal, steel tower thing with three or four legs. And to protect us as outfielders, they wrapped old mattresses like you'd find (laughs) in some uh, cabin. You know, like a seersucker tick, yeah. ticking on them. They'd wrap mattresses around the legs in case we ran into them. <laughs> so there, that that's one. And the second one was a college uh, ballpark at the University of Texas, believe it or not, where there was a cliff, a, a rock wall in left field. It's fairly shallow. And then the fence was up on a plateau above that. Okay. So if you hit a ball up on that plateau... There was a way to run up the rock wall to the plateau, or they were very well-versed and practiced running into the wall, and they had footholds where they could hit it. How high was this thing? Uh, I would say eight or nine feet. No way. Yeah. and But the ball was in play. If you hit one up there, you got to go get it. And, <laughs> and, and usually the center fielder would take off running to, to scale it, 
while the left fielder ran around to the ramp that went up the <laughs> slope. <laughs> so basically, if you hit one to the foot of the wall, it's still nine feet up in the air. It's about, yeah, I'd say at least eight feet. And um, I hit a ball up there playing there once, and uh, I got an inside-the-park home run because the ball rolled around behind the flagpole, which was also up there, <laughs> and they couldn't find it. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, I'll give you a good promotion, and I've seen, man, I've seen some promotions. I mean, think about the promotions at minor league ball. But the best one, and this is no contest because the entire crowd would get into this. Every night, this is when I was calling independent baseball, a player in the opposing team's lineup was was the beer batter of the night. And when they would, you'd select the batter, and if that guy struck out, then for the rest of that half inning, beer sales were half off. Wow. So when this guy came to the plate, everybody knew he was the designated beer batter for the night, (laughs) and you're hanging on the edge of your seat hoping for a strikeout. So what they would do is, and I had some really great guys that worked in the press box with me. Uh, our PA guy was a guy by the name of Glenn Waddle, awesome guy. Uh, and there's another guy who did the music, and they would work together on this. So when strike one took place, they had a sound effect of a beer can popping over. It's like, K-ch-k. so it's like, all right, there's one. You get to strike two, and it's it's pouring pouring the beer into a mug, and then strike three. The place would just erupt, and everybody would just haul tail to the concession stand line That's trying to get awesome. half off beer because that designated beer batter struck out. I thought you were going to – the story you told me about a minor league promotion like every Sunday or something, I forget where you were working, and they'd have the trough. The Sunday, yeah. It was like a trough, and it was just – what's an ice cream Sunday? It, it, it was – Pre-COVID days, obviously. Yeah, yeah, this is 2004. It was banana split Sunday. So what they do is, is at the end of the game – they hammered these stakes in the ground down the third baseline. They had PVC pipe cut in half. And they put, they'd put they lay that in there, and that had ice cream in it. And we had stadium employees who would walk in, throw in bananas, and then walk across with Hershey syrup and put oh it in there. Gosh. And if you paid five bucks, you got to go down on the field and you got a spoon. Wow. And you walked up to the trough, and you're just eating ice cream Ugh. at a trough like your How cattle. awesome. <laughs> yeah. That is awesome. 50, it was called 50-Foot Ice Cream Sunday. And it'd be down the third baseline. You'd be standing on the field eating ice cream with the rest of the people in the stands. <laughs> the, other, the other one that I um, – it was the best I ever saw. And, again, it was college, University of Miami. Uh, Ron Frazier was the coach there then. And they had a night that – I don't know what they called it. Suit, bring your suitcase to the park night or travel night. I've told you guys about this where <laughs> – you are in a you put your your ticket got you in a drawing and if they drew your lucky number at the end of the game you went on a all expenses paid trip from right there the catch was you had to have have your suitcase with you packed <laughs> because they'd bring a limo on the field pick you up take you to the airport you're gone <laughs> <laughs> to bring the luggage to the ballpark. Yeah, this was like at the University of Miami, and then maybe they're they're flying you to Puerto Rico or the Bahamas or I whatever. Love that. Yeah, it was a great. That's thing. hilarious. Oh, at the end of the day, worst case scenario, you're going to a game. Best yeah. case scenario, you're going to the game and then on vacation. Yeah, well, you might have to take your suitcase home, but big <laughs> yeah. deal. Um, hey guys, I love the podcast and listening to y'all on the Six Eight of the Fan app. The info y'all give about logistics of getting all the equipment to and from the stadium last uh, last episode gave me an idea. Is there a way that you, J. Chad, could do a time lapse of the load in, set up, and tear down and load out? I work in the tech field and have seen time lapse vids of server rack rebuilds, and think it would be great to see. That's from Wes in Glencoe, Alabama. That's a great idea. If Ben wants to come and film it, let's do it. Yeah, I was yeah. just going to say. I think that's another thing Jonathan should do. I can yeah. set up your tear down. I don't know if I'm coming with you early to do the the build up, but I'll do the tear. The tear down's the easy part. The tear down's half hour. It's the setup, start to finish, it's probably about two hours. All right, we'll work on that. I'll, I'll put something together, Wes, and we'll put it on our Braves Radio Network social media or something like that. You got one, JC? Uh, let's see. Hey, gentlemen, you guys are the best in the business. Keep it up. My question is, you guys bring up crazy stats. An example is how you mentioned the last time the Braves played the Rangers when the Rangers were – 10 games over 500. Do you have a particular site for stats like that, or do you do, you do the research digging yourself? Kind of split up a bunch of different ways. Um, That's from Keenan. Yeah, and Keenan, mine is maybe different from other people's. We all have our own individual ways of getting information. Uh, we get some information emailed to us. We do get the game notes from the teams. We get a lot of information there. Uh, I'd imagine 
40 to 50 percent of the stuff that i use is stuff that i just went out to find because I'm, I'm kind of a nerd like that and i enjoy going to research this this stuff and finding different nuggets and such but we do have different outlets that we get daily um that we go to daily whether it be online or from the teams or whatever it may be where we get uh consistent information yeah and we certainly have more at our fingertips than we've ever had before mm-hmm. it's out there it's just uh a matter of me telling ben where to go find it right exactly <laughs> uh, this is from justin if you could design a stadium and i can't wait to hear your your answers on this guys if you could design a stadium what features would you include and as a follow-up if you had the freedom to put the radio broadcast booth anywhere you wanted where would it be hmm well these days we all i think we all go to well i'd want a roof retractable yeah. roof i mean but that's i would start there yeah that's uh that's such a luxury to have uh, so you don't ever have to worry about weather um but uh, honestly when i look at this ballpark uh what's missing other than a roof i mean this park to me was so well con- so wonderfully conceived in terms of the number of seats that are close to the field there's not a big sweeping uh, bank of seats that go way away from the field and away from the play now everything's as as much on top of the field as you can get it i think yeah well, unless you had the girders if you had the old-fashioned uh, steel posts to hold it up from a cantilever standpoint though uh, this is great. We have bleachers in the outfield. We have the chop house. It's a wonderfully designed, great venue, great uh, sight lines for just about any seat in the house, and uh, and a great team. So I don't know how much better it can get. Yeah, I think for what we do personally, I guess for the booth or whatever it may be, if I could put a booth, if I'm putting it in, in a brand new ballpark, I think right at on the ribbon board of the second deck. Mm-hmm. That's where I'd want to be mm-hmm. uh, because it's it's going to be low and it's going to be close. And some of these older ballparks, you, you have great vantage points. It seems like the newer ballparks, we're getting pushed higher and higher. Uh, here, I don't think we're too high. I mean, this I, I know it's higher than most, but I've never walked in here and felt like we do in Washington or Texas or Pittsburgh. Yeah. Uh, so I, I like our sight lines here. But if you're asking me for the perfect spot, the sweet spot for a booth, it'd probably be right in the middle of the second level. I, I agree 100%. Uh, the, the old days, they used to actually attach the press box to the underside of one of the decks, like the second deck. Yeah. Uh, you weren't on top of the of the level. Is that where Tiger Stadium had theirs? Yes. Yeah, they were. Uh, it was attached underneath. So it was actually hanging underneath the second deck. And uh, you were in harm's way. I bet. You, know, you, you, could, you had to be heads up. Do series like the Toronto debacle make you all want to binge drink as much as they do us fans? <laughs> or does covering the team for a full 162 mean that you keep level heads and that prevails? That's from Davis. I think we probably – I mean, there are some losses where you're like, my goodness, that that's way worse than any other loss. But at the same time, I think we're easy to turn the page, get to the next day. The, the things that bother me, Davis, are the ones where you have a stretch of playing poorly. Not necessarily one game. You blow a game, it's going to happen. You play 162 games, you show them the best team, they're still going to blow a, a game here or there. It's when you have a stretch of three or four in a row where you're kicking the ball, you're, you're leaving guys on base. Those are the stretches that bring me down much more so than just one game. You guys have any other ones? Uh, here's one. It's coming up a lot from people. Um, hi, I'm CJ LaChapelle from Roswell. Love the, the podcast. I think most Braves fans really like Alex Anthopoulos, but do you think the fans will turn on him if he does not extend slash re-sign Max Freed? Uh, CJ, I do not. I think um, the fact that he has not re-signed him, I don't know what the reasons are. He he didn't ask me or talk to me about it. But with his age, uh, he's already had Tommy John surgery, but right now he's got an arm issue. It might lead you to believe why they haven't already given Max an extension. You know, they're just a little concerned about uh, age and wear and tear. Yeah. And, and this organization – when it comes to long-term deals, we've seen those go to position players, much more so than pitchers, haven't we? Other than Strider, yeah. yeah right. 
Uh, all right, I got a couple I definitely want to throw at you guys. This one it says, a question for Joe. This is from Jonathan in Chickamauga, Georgia. Uh, of all the years that you have been with the Atlanta Braves organization, what are the what are your top three favorite moments that you have witnessed? Hmm. Got to take some thought in it. Yeah, and, and if I if I think about it beyond just this present moment, I'm going to come up with more that I would probably go, oh, wait, I should have included this or yeah. that. Um, naturally, the – Marquis Grissom catching that fly ball in 95 to end the World Series and Freddie catching that throw from Dansby to end the uh, 21 World Series. Those two will forever be etched in my mind. Uh, but right under that, like ties for ties for second or third would be Sid Bream sliding at home plate. Definitely. That will, that will never be anything less than just awesome. And the thrill I had and the, the feeling I had when that occurred at Atlanta Fulton County Stadium and feeling the stadium yeah. shake. Yeah. Uh, it was absolutely amazing. And from an uh, uh, individual play, maybe, uh, Otis Nixon's catch going up over the top of the wall against the Pirates in a one nothing game and robbing Andy Van Slyke of a home run. That was some of the most spectacular, well-timed catches I've ever seen and I still love watching it, even on the big screen now. It's part of the pregame yeah. video. It's awesome. It's outstanding. I've got some really good questions, and I, I want to make sure I get all these in because they're so good. Joe, this is also for you. This is from Austin Bennett. How did you learn to do play-by-play after transitioning from your playing career? It seems like most player analysts these days just do color commentary. I'm sure play-by-play is an art that is extremely difficult to learn. I was wondering how you picked it up. That's a great question, Austin. Um. I don't consider myself very good at it, Austin. I just like doing it. And uh, I honestly, I don't want to say I practiced it, but I, I kind of played with it even as a player in the dugout when I would been playing. I'd sit there and try to entertain my teammates with uh, play-by-play and just joke around and certainly throw in a few curse words here and there that made it, <laughs> made it a little colorful. Um, but uh, I just, I don't know, it just – one of the things, and I, th- I hope you'll agree with this, Ben, one of the things that separate play-by-play from just doing analytical work is the ability to see what happens and is happening and have that translate to your mouth to be able to describe it. And I have always had that knack. I'm able to say it, even though it might be happening quickly, and Lord knows I've screwed up my share of those plays, but it's a you got to be really good, and that's why you're so good, uh, and guys like you because you can see it happening, you can describe it, and do it in such a way that the fans know exactly what's happening. Yeah, because we're look, we're reporting, we're telling people what's going on, but at the same time, it's exactly like what you're saying. I mean, it, you want fans who are listening on the radio and can't see, you want them to be able to see it in their head. That's not the easiest thing to do, no. to, to put that picture in someone else's head. And it takes a lot of practice. But um, Especially while everything's happening so fast. Yeah, I got a little taste of it last year. And, I mean, when you have a couple runners on base, a ball gets hit in the gap, and to have everything come out of your mouth as quick as it does, I mean, it's not an easy You don't thing. blink much. No. Well, <laughs> I, I've, I've teased, or I've told you guys, and I've ratted myself out about – uh, a game in Toronto where um, there was a rundown play and all of the guys that were involved in the rundown were Latin names. Most of them ended in Z <laughs> and maybe even the Braves base runner. I can't remember who it was, but before it was all over, I had Angel Hernandez, the umpire involved in it. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it gets a little confusing. It works. It happens real fast. And uh, sometimes you can have a little mess up like that, but yeah. I love it. I love doing it. It can. All right, here's one for J. Chad. With Trump being sent back down to AAA, how does it feel to be the top Chadwick on the Braves death chart again? That's from Zach in Tennessee. I didn't realize that I wasn't always the oh. top of the depth chart. Zach thought you got knocked down a peg. Sorry for it, Zach. But... <laughs> all right, let's try this one, J.C. On road trips, how long does it take to set up and break down all the gear that you guys have, and what parks are easier or more difficult to set up in? That's from Ryan Hall. Uh, we touched on this a little bit ago, but uh, typically a setup start to finish is a couple hours. 
25, 30 minutes to tear it all down. Um, parks that are easy, Miami, Milwaukee, Philadelphia. Um, parks that are hard, San Diego, San Francisco. Wrigley. Wrigley, just because of having to go up those stairs. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's, I've, I've done it so many times, though. It's just what I do. Here's one from Joey Bird, B-Y-R-D, Joey Bird. Why do you think Kevin Pillar doesn't get more time in left field? He appears more athletic in the field than Rosario, and his bat is strong. And I would say to you, Joey, that it, right now it's probably a, a real strict platoon. Pillar will start against left-handed starters, Rosario against right-handed starters. Uh, Eddie's bat has been coming around, had a big night last night against the Dodgers, but they can't get him out and um and you will see at times late in the ball game kevin will go in if the braves have a lead in the ninth inning kevin will go in for defense for those reasons you outlined and eddie's making nine million dollars well yeah that's true that yeah hoping he gets it all working you guys have any more anything else you want to touch on i'll tell you what before we sign off peter moylan just walked in come here pete I got a question for you. I want Pete to talk on something we were discussing earlier, Joe. Um, we we're talking about the bullpen, kind of giving an assessment of, of what we've seen, some ups and downs. And if you get to the eighth and the ninth inning, you feel pretty good about it. But what have you seen in getting it to that point with some of the ups and downs that we've seen? And, well, in, the, in, and the inconsistencies. Yes. Yeah, I think a lot of it stems from we talk about guys being comfortable in roles out there. And it seems like it's just been a kind of – let's see who we can find to do a job this year rather than sticking someone in a role. And they've done a stellar job at that. A couple of guys haven't probably hit their strides like you'd like to think. AJ's struggles. It's tough to watch because when you look at the... When you break down the actual numbers, physically he, everything's coming out the same as it has been. He just got really unlucky in that Houston series and it's just kind of steamrolled from there, it feels like. He'll get that back on track at some point. I think McHugh started to find something. He lost his slider when he first came back from the IL. I think he'll find it okay. And I think Jimenez is still trying to find what made him as good as he was in Detroit. I, I made the um, analogy of last year there were very few, if any, injuries to any of the starting pitchers. Yep. This year we've had just a calamity of errors, I mean injuries that has really thrown everything into a mixing bowl where all of a sudden nobody has those roles you're talking right. about and maybe they're being, being used more than they were at any time last year and exactly. it's, it's it's really taken a toll on them couple that with the fact that we've had to cover the bullpen games because of the starting pitching that's not something that really any bullpen besides maybe the rays enjoys doing mm -hmm. they've got so used to it now they were doing it every five days there for, for yep. at some point you know, ideally, nobody wants to do that, especially a team like us who has the starting pitching, I think, now. I think Schuster has gone up and he will take one of those games for a couple at least. Uh, it's about finding that next guy now. Well, and going back, I want to uh, say something. I think it was Jeff Francoeur said to us yesterday when we were talking about this. Yeah, really, Jeff had a good point. Um, <laughs> and that was that the Rays, when they did that, they had a guy start the game and throw an inning, and then they had ha they had somebody in line to come in and throw four or five innings. Yeah, so it wasn't like what a, a wait true, and see. wasn't a yeah. true bullpen type game. Yeah, that's true, and that's a big difference maker yeah. too. Yeah, it is. It is. Well, uh, coming up on a third of the way through the season, tonight's game. What number forty five, forty six, eight, forty eight? Yeah, we're come up game fifty four. Will be a third of the way through. So. Mm -hmm. Move it along, man. That's what it does. It's kind of frightening that I don't. I really don't think that this team's even come close to hitting its stride yet either. Which I, is good. I don't think so either. Yeah. Yeah. Well, a lot as we saw last year, a lot can happen in the final few months of the season and just yeah. put yourself in the best position possible going into trade deadline and all that. Hey, you should know that we, we're getting questions uh, from people or comments from people too, uh, very complimentary to you, to Kelly, to uh, Darren and to Nick and the work you guys are doing uh, here on radio, filling into, and uh, they like listening to you. I think you've got a really good mix of guys and a really good mix of voices and a really good mix of opinions. Uh, 
you know, Darren and I have had to come from different areas. Kelly has had to change positions in the big leagues. He's done everything. He's done all. It's he's been through injuries. It's mm-hmm. just it's about telling stories, and you're you're as good as anyone. So we get to hear from you every night, which is beautiful. But to be able to just throw a little bit of a, a taste of Australia on it's yeah. pretty fun too. <laughs> it is. It when, is. Are you, when are you in with us next? Not until right before the All Star break. Okay, we go on that so road Tampa, trip. Right Cleveland, the, Tampa, Cleveland, Tampa, Cleveland. Okay. Yeah, you I and I are in the. We got TV coming TV up. TV coming up. I don't know if I was, I was allowed to say that, but we're at the TV know if in the Detroit. Fans know that. Yeah, coming up. Uh, we got Pete and I got the Tigers series. Detroit, at least for one game. Yeah, I mean the the plan is for all three, but they might just kick <laughs> us both off after that first game. So forget this. <laughs> so if, uh, I'm, if I'm back on radio the next night, you know that things didn't yeah. go well on the TV. Side. We're going to do a simulcast tonight. We're just going to pick up pick up the Tigers broadcast, and we'll explain right. later. Yeah, it uh, could be a meltdown. In fact, that's kind of what I'm expecting. But who knows. <laughs> All right, that'll wrap things up for us, and it's great to have you all out there. Thanks so much for contributing with your questions and your comments. You can do that anytime by sending us an email, bravesbooth at gmail.com. And until next week, for Jonathan, for Pete, for Joe, I'm Ben, and this has been from the Braves Booth.